Well, good morning. It's going to be a real short message today. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, there we go. All right. Did you guys hide this stuff to see if I could wing it? Yeah. I'm definitely not smart enough to wing this. We'll just leave that there. All right. Well, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, I've been out for a little bit. Uh, many of you know my, I had to go back to Dallas. My mom is not doing well. And uh, so I spent about 10 days there, and then some other folks uh, jumped in to keep it so I could get away if I needed to. I had the distinctly, well, I, th- I think it's a privilege. Uh, I didn't know it at the moment, but the, uh, the, this privilege, I guess, of, of telling my mom that she was going to die. And uh, I'm, some of you, I'm sure, have been there, but I, I w- was the one to do that. You know, that the doctors say that er- what you have is terminal, and you're probably not going to live. And here's what she said. She goes, she's kind of leaning over. She wasn't feeling good. And she goes, I want to go to Disneyland. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, certainly, you know, relieved the tension and the pressure of that whole situation. Disneyland. Um, It's pretty cute. Uh, So, you know... uh, When I stand up here and, and speak to you guys, gals, uh, it's it's just it's a one way thing. It, you know, I'm just telling you stuff, right? And, and those of you who are familiar with me or know me, and the kind of thing, it's not really the way I typically roll. And but I wanted to say something that just struck me, and, and that's that, and I wanted to share with you in that when I'm preparing, when I'm getting ready for these messages and studying anything about, well, what's the thing that, that is, is here that needs to be shared? I'm always interacting with different ones of you in my mind. Like I'm thinking, well, what, what is it that Darlene's going to think? What, how, how's Tyler going to take this? What's, you know, Lisa Hart, she loves really good, well-crafted illustrations, you know. Is there one of those? Um, not today. Okay, uh, but she's not here, so. Um, you know, I'm thinking about these interactions with different ones of you based on what is in there. It's, so, you know, it may not seem like much of a conversation, but there definitely is one in the process. And I look at this like a, like a journey that we're on together. Uh, I just happen to be sort of like the, uh, the tour guide, I guess. We're, in a pl- we're, we're going to different places, seeing different things. And part of my role is that I get the privilege of saying, okay, let's stop here in the Word of God and just take a look at this thing and see what it means to us. Does that make sense? That's a little bit of how I see it. I see it was all going together. Some, for some reason, God just decided that he wants me to, to, to share some of those things that I see in some other people that are with us as well, that are in our body that have that same responsibility sometimes. Today's stop in the journey that we're in is one that I actually have been thinking about for years. When I first started thinking about this job and when we were, we were coming in the process of thinking about, well, what, what do I teach on? What, what's going to happen? And one of the things I knew would come was this stop on the journey, the stop that we're at today, the place that I have the privilege of sharing with you about today. And we're in this series we're calling Speaking of God in the Psalms, where these different authors write these beautiful things about God. And so we read those and learn about who he is. Well, before I, before I tell you what this 
particular topic is, this issue that is something I've been uh, thinking about for so long, is uh, I used to do some uh, guiding when I was younger, and I had a group from uh, Texas in the Wiminooch down here, and we did this 50-mile hike. And the very end of the hike was this uh, really steep, really hard climb with packs and all this stuff, and the people that were totally out of shape and had, by this time, after the 40 six miles or so, total blisters and stuff. It was just this horrible ending, you know. And some of you are familiar with that, or maybe all hikes feel that way to you. But it was about, you know, it was a three-day or four-day thing. And so we stopped at the base of this really hard, hard thing. And we all could see it up there, you know. And uh, it was like, you know, Frodo and looking up at Mordor or something. It was just this huge, horrible, hard thing. And so we camped out and rested, and, and then we hit that thing together and made it over. Uh, and it was, it was hard, but it was worth it. And I, f- I feel like this is one of those places, at least it is for me. And let me tell you what this, this thing is that I've been looking at and thinking about for so long. Um, when you read the Psalms... You read things said about God, about his beauty, his majesty, his might, these beautiful phrases, right? You've seen these things. If you've been with us at all, you're reading these things. And then suddenly there is a turn and the, the scripture, these words in, in this book are sound like they're celebrating judgment and cruelty. There's just a sudden turn and I'm thinking, well, how... How does this sync up? If I'm elevating what he's saying, I'm saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, going, I'm agreeing with him. I'm saying, like, for instance, David, where we're going to read from today in Psalm 28. If I'm, I'm raising that up, I'm saying, yes, God, you're good and you're beautiful and you're my shelter, you're my rock. You provide everything. You, you take care of me, blah, 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 on and on. And, but let the wicked just be destroyed. I, I have a hard time with that. That, that is like a, I'm like cruising along on my bike. I got my hands off and I hit a speed bump and I just, I have to get back up and think about what is this, what, what does this mean? How do I reconcile this and understand how both of these things can be true? But how, how can there be this thing that sounds like a celebration of, of hard, of, of cruelty? So let me, let me read a couple passages to uh, introduce you to that problem if you're not already familiar with it. So I'm going to read all of Psalm uh, 28 from the English Standard Version, the ESV. It's just nine verses. Starts out real nice, but it's still uh, David's, David's writing this and he's, he's calling out to God because he's, he's concerned. He says, to you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest If you be silent, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear my voice of pleas for mercy. When I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. B 
because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands or your hands. He will hear, he will tear them down and build them up no more. Turns the corner. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield and my... This is beautiful stuff, right? In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is my, the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of the anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Let me read you a, a little more striking one. This is from Psalm 139, one of the most beautiful psalms in the whole, the whole book. I'm just going to read you uh, from 17 to 22. Note the transition. Yeah, this is beautiful. How precious to me, Lord, are your thoughts. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh God, oh men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Do you see the problem? (laughs) You know, um, honestly, I'm a little bit disturbed when I as a Christian or we as Christians can read Psalm 139 and read all this lovely, beautiful stuff, read through this and then jump back and he turns the corner again and starts talking about beautiful things again. And we're just like, oh yeah. Like if you read commentaries on these things, they'll talk all about it. And then when you get to this hard stuff, it's like, you know, they skim right over it. I'm like, hold on. We got to talk about this. This is really hard stuff. See, it's not that I have a problem with the recompense of rebellion against God, the consequences of sin. And I don't think many of us really do. When we do wrong, when people do wrong, there are consequences, okay? Well, if that's right, when a little kid hits, somebody, uh, hits his sister in the face, there are consequences. If that's true in that level, is it not true on a cosmic level? Okay, Let, let's put that to bed right now, okay? Uh, we'll argue about it later if you have trouble with that. But in this case... Uh, we, what we read is this celebration. It sounds like a celebration of the punishment. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay. And so my role today is to make this, just to candy coat this and make it so easy that we just don't have any problems with it anymore. Okay, right. It is not that. That is not my role I'm not going to candy coat this. There is no great answer to this, but I think that when we look closely, when we think about a little bit bigger picture and understand a little more about the authors and what God is doing in this, it'll help us to, uh, to reconcile, to get to the base of that big, hard climb and go up there. And you, what I've noticed sometimes is that it's the hardest places that we have to face in life or even with God. And from those places, it's sometimes the most beautiful view. But we have to go to those really hard places. We have to get in those places and, and deal with them. And so for three years, or I've been here almost four years, I've been sort of skimming around this issue. And now we're, we're coming right at it and just going to talk about it for a few minutes. Here's, here's the main point. Here's the thing, at least one thing I hope you will come away with. And that's it, that when we face this call to judgment, when we really look at it, when we, when we deal with it at as deep a level as we can, what we're going to do 
it is, what we're, we're going to see is we're going to see a revelation of God's mercy. When we look at this very hard thing, what we're going to end up seeing is this amazing mercy of God. Now, I know those things don't seem to stand together too well, but I hope after we talk through this that, that they will a bit with you. And the way we're going to walk through this is uh, look at, looking at three different people and their reaction to this kind of... Uh, the reaction to the consequences that are due for rejecting God, which it sounds like David is celebrating. The three people, one is a warrior, one is a hoarder, and one is a mercy giver. So a warrior, a hoarder, and a mercy giver. So let's talk about the warrior, and that's probably obvious to you. That's David. We're going to talk about him just for a moment. He's the, he's the author of what we just read. David is the is. And when he writes this, has been the king. Uh, he is such a warrior that at the end of his life, uh, he had desire, one of his greatest desires was to build the temple, build this beautiful temple for God because he had established the kingdom and things were running well. And he wanted to build this temple as, a, as an honor, this final thing that he would do. And God said no. And the reason he said no is because you're a man of war. You're a man who has so much blood on your hands that you can't do this. Your son can. But this is who this guy is that's writing. And look back in his life a little bit with me. Uh, remember, the earliest stories of David, he's that guy who, he was, as a child, he was a shepherd. And you'll remember stories, if you've read much of the Bible, where it talks about David defending the, his flock against wild animals as a child. That's a pretty big responsibility. You have to be bold. You have to be protecting something. You've got to be very desirous of defending that, putting yourself in the way of the harm and the thing you're trying to protect, or the people you're, the, the animals in his case that he's trying to protect. He has an, the experience from, a young, from his youngest days is to aggressively defend what is important to him, right? That's what he did as a child. And you, you know, what we learn as a child often carries with us through life. And then soon as a teen, soon after that as a teen, David is in a place where he shows up to bring like sack lunches to his brothers, you know, and and there's this giant threatening all of the, they're calling for this one-on-one, right? Which it would be a great way to do war now, right? Just two people battle it out and whoever loses that, you know, it's just those two. And so it was pretty big threat. And David is just aghast that no one has stepped up to deal with this guy. He just can't believe it, right? This fits into his personality. And he says, you know what? If God's on our side, I don't have anything to worry about. None of you do. I'm not even going to put on this armor. I'm just going out there with him. All of the warriors, all of these army guys, all these brave men, none of them were able to go out and face this, this other opposing figure, but David does it. So this tells us about his personality, and he's a teenager at that point, right? And then if you read the whole story of David's life, and this guy is a wild guy. He makes, he makes some, he does some of the most beautiful things, writes these psalms, he does just beautiful things for God, and he does some of the dumbest, worst, most abhorrent things that are in the Bible. He, he runs the spectrum. He is all over the place. 
And he's a poet who communicates about that stuff. And through Psalms, we see all of these things happen. He's writing these songs about his grief, about his shame, about victories, about who God is. And that's where we're learning this stuff. He was deeply aware of the insurmountable holiness of God. That was, if you read his, what he writes and you read the story of, of his life, he's so deeply aware of who God is and his overwhelming goodness and rightness. And then he's at the same time acutely aware of sin or any wickedness that is an affront to who God is. He's, he is so committed to justice. And it's his, his thing is to act and do something about it. He's going to act. He's a warrior. And I think once you understand, and I understand that that's who's writing this stuff that we're reading, this in particular Psalm 28 or Psalm 139, it's easier to see him write this. This is verse 4 from chapter 28. Give to them according to their work, according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render to them their due reward. He was the king. He was the warrior. He upheld justice and he doled out justice and he wanted God to do that same thing. But, but here's the thing that I see about David when he comes to these situations in his writing. He claimed from God the mercy that he would not give. David called out for and called out desiring and claimed the mercy that he would not give to other people. And look at in verse uh, two, 2 and 6. At the beginning of chapter 28, he says, Lord, hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. In verse 6, this is where he, he's not asking anymore. He's confirming that he has found the mercy of God. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. Do you see, David has this very personal thing with God, like, for me, please give me mercy. For your people, give us mercy. And when it's the outside, no mercy. That doesn't mean that judgment is wrong or that everything should just be washed away and there's no, there is a penalty that must be paid for rebellion against God, for choosing our own self-destruction. That, we have to deal with that. God has to deal with that. But when we look at this and I try to understand what is this speed bump that I'm hitting, part of it is to understand who David is and why he's saying it the way he says it. Because he's a warrior. So this is something I'll probably come back to a couple times this morning, and that's this. Mercy should always be our approach towards God and always be our interaction with other people. We should always be engaging in, with mercy and understanding mercy from God. It's not our role to um, help God with the justice. Okay, that's the warrior, the hoarder. I want to take you to uh, the book of Jonah, which is really a short book. You guys are familiar with this story. It's one of the most common stories in the Bible, most well-known, I guess, this is a long time after David. Jonah is a guy who God calls to go speak to the city. Apparently he is an eloquent speaker and he want, God wants to use this guy to help these people turn from their wickedness. 
Remember that? And he says, no, I think I'm going to do something else. I'm going to run away from you, God. And he goes to the sea, gets on a ship, and then things go really south for him. Or not south, but maybe down. However you want to say if that's south. And things get bad. And he finally decides that he will go and he will do what God asked him to do. And he goes to this city. It's a huge city in those days. And he preaches, he speaks, and he speaks to the ruler, and the rulers hear him. And they turn from their ways. By decree of the, the people in power and at all kinds of levels, apparently, And to me, you know, and I think to most of us, that sounds like a great success story. Hey, everything worked out. They repented. God's okay. You know, things are fine. This was a successful trip. Well, Jonah is super angry. He is so mad that God did this. He let them repent. Jonah wanted them, not unlike David, Jonah wanted them to suffer. David wants those people to suffer. Jonah apparently did too. But Jonah's response is a little different. And I think it's sort of a, there's a bit of a continuum here. There's David the warrior, and then there's Jonah, whatever he is. Uh, Jonah, okay, listen to what he says. This is in Jonah uh, 3.10. We're just going to read a couple of verses here. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, he relented of the disaster that he said he would do, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord, and he said, look at his response. Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Both of these guys withheld mercy while at the same time were receiving it. Jonah said, I would rather die than share your mercy with these people. Now, sometimes I think I'm a little more like Jonah than, well, a lot more like Jonah than David. Uh, I'm just, I just don't feel it very much. I don't feel the urgency, the need to let people know about this mercy of God. Jonah takes that you know, a step further and says, I'd rather die than tell anybody. And David says, I think I'd rather attack those who need mercy. And some of you may feel that way. I don't know. If you're there, that, that's okay. There's, there's some continuum in here. There's some space. I don't know if it's really in between these guys even. That is where we should be. The, the thing is that the best place for us to be is to be those people who give and receive mercy. You're probably getting the idea here. That I'm, I'm trying to say that in both of these passages, both of these stories with both of these people, mercy is a key factor in understanding how we deal with this hard thing, this justice that must come. And they both called for mercy. They both knew mercy, they both experienced mercy, but they were unwilling to share it. Okay, and then third, the third person. So we had the warrior, we had the hoarder of mercy. Both of them probably hoarded that a little bit. 
But the last we, I want to look at is the mercy giver. And of course, that's Jesus. And I'm not setting Jesus up as an example like, oh, there's this guy and there's this guy and there's Jesus. Be like Jesus. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that we are somewhere in the mix of Jonah and David probably. And Jesus is completely outside of that. He's a complete outlier coming to erase that whole situation. So yes, we should emulate Jesus, but in the thing that we're going to talk about, we cannot emulate him because it's the thing that only Jesus could do as the mercy giver. Um, maybe I, I probably, this probably boils down the, to the core of what, what I want to say, and that's that I think we should be more shocked by the mercy of God. We should be more shocked by the mercy of God than by the response of his people to his judgment on, and his fulfillment of justice. That idea of justice is a hard thing for us to deal with. It's even harder when it sounds like it's being justice should be celebrated and thrown down on people. But I think mercy is the thing that we should be shocked. It sh- I shouldn't hit the speed bump that, that, I, that I'm hitting. And the reason that I'm hitting it is because I don't have this deep abiding understanding of mercy that I'm receiving, that I'm giving. I want to take you to a passage from uh, Luke 20, 23. It's the last hours of Jesus' life. He's carrying this cross, probably stained with blood from other people. He's placed himself on purpose among criminals. He's carried this board up this hill while being spit on and and condemned by all kinds of people. And when he looked ahead at what it was, these consequences of sin and rebellion... He decided to meet that with mercy. He embraced those consequences in order to give us mercy. Look at uh, 23, chapter 23, verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to this place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and there were criminals, one on his le- right and one on his left. And Jesus said, speaking of everyone, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. That, the cost of mercy was the life of Jesus. We can't, we could not pay that. I love how Tyler will often pray. There's this thing that we could never do and he does for us. And that's what happens here. And it is the supreme act of mercy on people who did not ask for mercy. And that is us. And that's them. And that's all the way back to Jesus' sacrifice was past, present, and future for all time. David didn't know he was depending on the mercy of Jesus and his work on the cross to reconcile him to God. Jonah didn't know that. It was all on Jesus, and he took that for us. He's the mercy giver. So I want to give you a couple things briefly here as I close um, that are uh, 
thoughts about, you know, what does this mean to us? What do I, what am I, how do I take this home? What goes into my heart around this? Um, I think one of the things is that we need to recognize that justice is a part of this, uh, the economy that we are in, the cosmic economy. Justice is a part of that. When we rebel, when anyone goes away from God, there is a consequence for that. But that consequence, though necessary, is terrible. It is a terrible thing. It's a terrible, horrible thing. And Jesus steps into that place to take those consequences for us. And that's a beautiful thing. That's the thing to sing about. Not calling condemnation, but being thankful for the incredible mercy that's been given and then sharing that with the people that we interact with. So recognizing that justice is necessary but terrible. And then we get to enjoy the privilege of receiving mercy and giving that mercy. I know that God is merciful, but I'm not always interested in, in engaging in giving mercy to others. And I think it's a very simple application for us in that when we recognize what God has done, that we engage in giving that mercy to another. And then one last thing about David is... Uh, in an application for us is that if we could endeavor to see God's holiness like David did, his greatness like he did, the joy that David found in that, the passion to defend God, even though God didn't need David to defend him, I think that would be somewhat transformative. I would love to have that intense joy, that intensity that David had around who God was because he was aware of the holiness of God. He was just deeply in touch with that. And so he called out. He called out for that. There's a, I'm just going to read a passage to close. It's from Hebrews 4. Let us draw near, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the complete story that it is. Lord, we, uh, we look back and we see uh, how Jesus' um, act of incredible mercy where he, he gave forgiveness when it was not asked for, uh, Lord, covered uh, men and women before him and after, and we're a part of that. And I thank you for that. Let us receive and give mercy. It's his, his name that we pray. Amen. All right, you guys have a great, beautiful afternoon.